Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. I have a hit record and the train is leaving the station. I can't put this back in the box. We are in trouble. Uh, guys, I can't wait to tell you about my guest today. I've really struggled on this one because his introduction is abbreviated into two pages of bullets. And so, I, you know, <laughs> I, sometimes I lose, my, I, I lose myself, right, in, in introductions. But let me tell you about this guy, okay? Entrepreneur, go-to-market, and marketing thought leader, marketing sales, high-energy contrarian, but what does he really do? He builds and grows tech companies. People have described him as like, hey, you, you do everything in revenue. And also, you're driven, you're compassionate, you're a leader. Everyone loves him. Podcasting is a big part of his strategy, which instantly makes him my BFF. Go-to-market business builder, virtual CMO at Growth Stage Marketing, Mark Donegan. Welcome to the show. Casey, it's awesome to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. I can't wait to just crack open that brain like a soft boiled egg and pour out that yummy. Let's do it. Let's let's hope there's something still in there. I I know. know. But anyway, I I think we're I think we're doing okay today. (laughs) Hey, if we can nail the introduction, the rest is just downhill. It's downhill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So so here I have to pass you something. It's heavy, but I'm able to pick it up and I I know you work out. So you'll have that. So one second. Okay, here it is. All right. All right. Okay. Can you grab that? I, Thor's I hammer? It. I got, got it. it. I got okay. it. I got it. Got it. Yeah. All right. Take <laughs> Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Oh, boy. I have a lot. But you know what? I think the, the number one myth that, that, that I see uh, among really great marketers, you know, the thing is, is it, you know, the, the, these aren't kind of, you know, your, your B and C players, these are a players. And here's yeah. the marketing myth that if I get one more piece of marketing insight, if I attend one more marketing conference, if I learned one more piece of marketing software, MarTech, if I add one more, you know, something to my tech stack, that's the silver bullet and we're going to crush it. When in reality, none of that matters because Mm. way too often we don't know about our customer. We're not domain experts. And so we can have an amazing stack. We can have an absolute picture, perfect MBA playbook. I mean, and be executing by the way, at an A plus level and failing the company. Yeah. Failing the company. And I'll, and, and, and I'll tell you, Casey, and for, you know, for the listeners, if, if, if some are listening right now and kind of eyebrows raise and kind of like furrowed brow and like, uh, I'm not sure I really agree. I don't get that because we all have a long list of, yeah, but if I was better at copyright, if I was better at this, if, if my team executed better over here, let me just ask you a question. Why is it that the CMO chair is the fastest turning in the C-suite. And then a follow-up question is this. 
Why is it that when you go look at the backgrounds of those CMOs who end up churning out, whether they actually got fired or they left before they were about to get fired, you look at their backgrounds and you say, that person has a track record. That person crushed it at this company. That person was a major contributor. In other words, the point is, is that you look at these people and it's not that they were you know, they, they just didn't grow into the job. Right. Sure. Right. That happens too. You know, that can happen. Someone yeah. just, you know, they, 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 they didn't grow, but more right. often than not, it's because guess what? Sure. They can manage a team. Yes. They know how to hire an agency. Yes. They know how to do all the block and tackling, but they're not serving the business because mm. they don't know the ecosystem. And so I smash that myth. Smash. Where does this come from? Why, why more education, more education? No, absolutely not. Why though? Like, where does this come from? Why, why do we drink the wrong (laughs) Kool-Aid? Um, where does it come from? Like, like, in other words, what drives this, this belief? Yeah. This misbelief. Really? Yeah. 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 You, you know where it comes from and, uh, and, and, and look, I'm, Hey, I work in the technology. I, I pretty much exclusively work with tech companies. So, so yeah. I love all tech. I love MarTech. I love, you know, so I'm not, I'm really not beating up on MarTech vendors, but I do have to say that a lot of this gets driven from MarTech vendors, Yeah, you know, look, yeah. And, and, and put yourself now in reality, put yourself in their shoes and they're absolutely doing the right thing, right? They're painting yeah. this scenario, this picture that if you are not implementing our tool, our solution, if you're not adopting, you know, this new way yeah. of, uh, of, of doing, you know, fill in the blank, then you are going to fail and fall behind. Yeah. So then that just drives this perpetual, then you have to go learn that tool and then you learn their process and then you implement it. Well, but what people forget is that that's all to drive more usage and purchase of their solution. It's not actually to sell our products. Right. Occasionally they do intersect occasionally, but a lot of times they don't. Man, they're noisy too. Because when you get that recurring oh. revenue, that AR dollar, they can spend oh, so much money. Predictable to really revenue. Blast predictable that message revenue. out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's the and and look, who doesn't want predictable revenue? Who doesn't want a right. scientific, analytical view of the world where basically I can be pushing buttons and I can be yeah. pulling levers and knobs and and as my MQLs go up, you know, my, you know, and we look at our funnels and I mean, who doesn't want that? That that's so it's completely natural that we fall right. into saying, wow, this would be amazing. And I can measure my team and everything comes down. It's like Moneyball, right? That movie, yeah. you know, um, and guess what there, I, I am a firm believer in analytics and in a hundred percent. So, you know, and I manage to that, but guess what? Um, if I predicate my entire go to market plan based on that and I'm not speaking to my customer and how they buy and what they actually care about. All of my numbers, my dashboards can look amazing. And the CEO comes in six quarters later and says, Mark, we kind of have to have a hard conversation. Yeah. Because we're focused on the wrong thing, right? We're focused on the wrong thing. Yeah. Like, hey, I know your team is in air quotes doing a lot of good work, but look at where our numbers are. Yeah. You know, and as a leader, it's, I can't fall back on. Yeah, but I'm executing HubSpot's playbook. Perfect. 
<laughs> HubSpot says way, I get love an HubSpot. A plus. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. By, by the way, really I love HubSpot. It's my, yeah, yeah. But but the point is, is that, you know, that CEO can look and say, Mark, I know you are. And you got a great team. But we have to face the facts. And this is why churn in the CMO chair and in the VP marketing chair is so high. Yeah. And it's why I get involved with companies because very often I get the call after somebody has gone through and they hired someone, there was high expectation. They were in for a couple of years and then yeah. they're like, what went wrong? We, we hired a good person, but yet the result wasn't there. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so what's the solution? Turn our backs on technology, become the marketing. <laughs> no, no, no. Amish? no, 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 no. Um, yeah, no, this is, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a good question, Casey. Yeah. My message is not, you know, Hey, MarTech bad, um, <laughs> old school, good. Uh, and no, no, that's not my message. Here's the solution. The solution is, is that, um, if you are in a marketing leadership position, so whether you have CMO, VP, director, whatever the title, forget the title you're in, yeah. or you're aspiring to be in a marketing leadership role, okay? Or you're just an individual contributor, maybe, you know, just starting your journey in yeah. B2B marketing. So in other words, this applies to everyone. Mm -hmm. Get on sales calls, go out on sales calls. This is gonna require, you know, especially if someone's maybe a, a little bit um, lower in the organization where it might be hard to get yourself invited to the next trade show. Right. Maybe take a day off and say, hey, look, if you'll just cover my hotel, it's in a nearby city, I'll drive, I don't really care about that. Give me the day off, I wanna go and I just wanna walk the halls of this trade show. I know I'm, I'll just be there, you know, kind of, but I'm there to learn. Okay. Mm -hmm. Learn, get out there, talk to the customer, understand the market, find out what are they really thinking about? What do they care about? And this goes beyond what in air quotes keeps them up at night. You know, right. um, that's a gross oversimplification because what we're really trying to get to is how are they making buying decisions? Who's involved in the buying decision? What's the psyche? What do they, what drives them? And what is absolutely shocking when you get out there and you do this exercise and you get that knowledge is, is it so many assumptions that we have as marketers about what our customers care about, what they, what resonates with them. Right. They're just wrong. They're just wrong, you know, and that's okay. It's yeah. not okay if you don't adjust. Okay. So. Huh. You know, it's, it's surprising about the, the sales calls, right? Because you get to hear the questions mm. you it's like, it's one of the best things you could possibly join. And it, it's Casey, just right there in front of you, you know, and, and, and let me tell you the first, the, the sacred cow for a marketer is, you know, yeah. how every pitch deck that marketing puts together, no matter, you know, you know, who they're aimed at, whether it's like a first meeting or, a, you know, with the, with a technical team or the business team, or no matter what the deck is, what are the, what are the first three required slides? Yeah. About, about us. About us. Yeah. Logos, Logos. And then something else about us. Yes. Do you know that the salespeople who are effective 
skip those. In fact, mm. most of them are going to delete those slides yeah. because the customer does not care about us. They only care about them. And yeah. that right there should be an eye popping revelation. And yet how many marketing teams, Oh, Hey, this sales rep, they they're using the wrong about us or, Oh, the about us was totally missing or, Oh, <laughs> what about the logo slides? People care about the logos, right? Yes. At some point, you know, yes, they want to know that you have, you know, Amazon as a customer and Netflix as a customer and mm -hmm. Microsoft is a, you know, that, that, that's useful, but that is not on in the first, especially in a first meeting, absolutely meaningless. First of all, because way too many companies have logos that are, well, let's be kind, not, not so real. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, you, it, got when some everybody has Microsoft who, uh, on their, yeah, on they their apparently work deck, with Salesforce like, and Microsoft yeah, and all. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just yeah. having Microsoft word on your computer doesn't mean you technically <laughs> work for Microsoft as a client. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of a stretch there. Yeah. Kind of a stretch a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and really, you know, we're kind of joking around a little bit and, yeah. uh, but, but this is, you know, that's even the source of revelation that I think some yeah. marketers, frankly, might be really shocked by like, well, what do you mean? You know, here we're spending all this time picking the exact words about how we're going to describe, you know, how we founded the company. And it's like, it does not matter. It absolutely does not matter. They do not care about that. It's all about, can you solve my problem? And then more importantly, defining that problem, because nowadays yeah. the world is so complex and, and I don't mean just the world. We certainly can make an argument that the world, generally speaking, is a very complex place today. But I mean, the business environment that, that, that we're operating in, our customers right. are operating in, the technical environment, um, it, you know, the drivers, uh, you know, the economy. I mean, yeah. it's so complex that in some cases, our first job is to define even for the customer the problem mm. that they need solved. Now, don't get me wrong. They have a general sense. Something's not right. You know, it's like when you go to the doctor, you're like, I know something's not right, but I have no idea what it is. You know, they know something's wrong. That's probably why we're talking to them. But if we don't define that, um, it's going to be pretty hard to convince them, you know, that we have the best solution. If we're not speaking their language, do you, and we're talking about ourselves, it's like just a foreign language. You know, we're cer certainly not speaking English. It's not something they're going to perceive. And then we wonder why that perfectly curated email goes unsubscribed and unclicked. That's right. That's right. And, you know, wow, it, you get into, you talk about, you know, like the way that we write emails and, you know, yeah. what our homepage says. And um, I uh, am beginning a, a, a journey with a, with a company and, you know, they have a, a, a slogan on their homepage, which when they explain what it means makes perfect sense. And yeah. I have no doubt that there was hours, tens, maybe even hundreds of hours of collective time put into, right. you know, even thinking about this. Right. And yet when you step back just as a customer and you just read it, you go, it's completely devoid of any relevance to why I would need to buy your solution. 
it just, I, I mean, you know, and so my initial response was when I was asked about it is, you know, Hey, look, when I, you know, and I have the domain knowledge to understand exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what the point is. The problem is I, I can pretty much guarantee you, your customer has no clue, no clue. meaning your, your ICP, your ideal customer profile, someone that you actually want to sell to. And, oh, it's so easy to fall into this, you know, so easy, so easy. Well, I wanted to shift gears a little bit because you brought up the events and yeah, it, are events dead? We've gone through COVID. We've come back out. Mm. Are we still going to them in person? Is there still value to going to them? And perhaps to what you're describing, just to even listen to, but, but not a marketing conference, but are yeah. there marketing yeah. conferences that have value? What's your hot take on that? Yeah. So, so from an education perspective, look, um, we should all be in continuous, um, upgrade and improvement cycles, yeah. you know, and I think just as individuals, you know, we can have a very, um, I'm sure a whole separate episode just about, you know, self-improvement, right. 100%. Um, and, and I am absolutely all for that. So here's what that looks like just for me. And this is an avenue that I, I think a lot of people are finding is really useful and I'm answering your events question, but I think it looks different than like, Hey, I'm booking out, you know, four days next week to fly to Boston, you know, and attend, you know, or San Francisco or whatever, some major yeah. city and attend this big marketing event where surely there's going to be great speakers and there's going to be breakout sessions. And of course, you know, I get to rub shoulders with my peers and maybe exchange some best practices. So I'm all for it. There's a lot of value there, but let's face it. It's getting harder and harder to take those four days away. Not even, you know, forget how much more difficult air travel post COVID has gotten. Oh yeah. I yeah. was just on an airplane yesterday and Oh, holy cow. What a, what a, what a nightmare, <laughs> um, uh, compared to uh, pre COVID setting yeah, all that 100%. aside, you know, um, podcasts are an amazing way to gather information. And so, um, I think that as we look at like educating ourselves, um, it used to be, and, and there's still value in books. There's great books being written, but the one challenge I find now with like business books and marketing books is that because again, the world is moving so fast, that book was probably written a minimum of 12 months ago, you know, just because of book publishing cycles and how long it takes, you know, maybe it was right. even really written. Like maybe that book was started in 2019 and it's only being published now. Well, holy cow. I mean, look how the world changed, you know, with, with, with COVID in the last couple of years, that's an extreme example, but not really. And right. the beautiful thing about a podcast and, you know, and, and these more immediate opportunities is that you're listening to someone talking in real time, i.e. maybe the interview even happened this morning, you know, mm. and they're sharing um, you know, data and information that is as recent as the day before that, you know, and so you get as real time. And I really think that that is valuable. It also gives us a way to dip in and out of different perspectives, different views on what is happening in our industry, what's happening yeah. in, in marketing, because I do believe that that um, diversity of, of thought, the diversity of thinking is 
is is just required i i think it's not even so much that oh it's it's valuable you know it's like it's required because without it um we can just be executing again getting back to you can be doing a lot of good things but then getting that call from the ceo six quarters later and you're basically getting fired you know and you're going but we were doing all this really good work and he or she's like i know you were the problem is look at our numbers you know look at the yeah. business there was no business impact so yeah and that i mean that's the bottom line when it comes down to it yeah a hundred hundred percent are there any books you recommend ah uh, yes absolute must reads um play bigger play bigger must 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 read play bigger in fact i have it right here right next to me <laughs> On my, it's literally yeah. within arm's reach. <laughs> right. So I'm sitting in my office chair. I can grab, I've been through that book many, 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 many times. Um, play Bigger. And what Play Bigger is, um, a basic concept is around category design. And uh, there's some, there's, there's, uh, you know, some sort of foundational research that uh, the co-authors uh, did. And, um, it's just super compelling. And basically, you know, here's in a nutshell, what play bigger is all about is that if you look at the companies that win and I mean, win big, so, you know, let's just pick an easy one, you know, Apple and the iPhone, Apple and the iPod, you know, the original iPod, um, the iPod's a great example because Apple introduced the iPod and MP3 players, which is what they were called before the iPod, yeah. were very well established. I mean, you know, you could go into shoot even like the supermarket and, you know, they had them hanging on a peg somewhere, you know, and you could transfer, you know, your files that, you know, were all being exchanged, you know, on the on the Internet at the time. Uh, and then all of a sudden Apple comes out with this, with this device and Steve jobs holds it up at the launch and he says a thousand songs in your pocket. Uh, think about right away, the difference of positioning previously, you went to buy an MP3 player and it was sold basically on, 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 on one, um, um, uh, value differentiator and that was capacity. So I yeah. had to think, okay, if I get you know, a hundred and, and well, then it was uh, megabytes of storage. So if I get eight megabytes or 16 megabytes, how many songs that translate into? Well, now geeks, you know, they kind of, you know, had that and people using on their packaging would say, you know, roughly like, you know, 500 songs or something, you know, yeah. um, but uh, nobody knew, right? Steve Jobs comes out and he holds up this, first of all, very great looking, elegant device, but that wasn't even the genius. The genius was a thousand songs in your pocket. My mm. point is, is that Apple came along and within less than two years, so Microsoft introduced a device called the Zune. Uh, some may remember the remember Zune that. and this goes way back. Um, Microsoft became the number two player. Uh, in, in the, you know, in the music player MP3 space with Apple, of course, being number one with the iPod, here's the funny part. And, and I don't have the, the numbers exactly off the, you know, uh, exactly right. But these are in the range. These are absolutely in the range. So Apple had like more than 90%, even like 90, I want to say it was like 97% of the market. It was just obscene. I mean, they just owned it. 
Um, and may, maybe it was actually more like 90%. But anyway, uh, Microsoft in the number two position, then you can do the math, right? You can see like it was teeny, teeny, tiny. So it gets back to analogy like, hey, I was second place in the race. Mm. Yeah, the first, the first place runner was so far ahead, you, you know, she had already had dinner, showered, and, and, and was home watching a movie by the time I finished the race. You right. know, like it doesn't matter that, you know, but Hey, I was, I was second place. I got second place. Like, yeah, there was absolutely nothing. And so the revelation in play bigger is, is that when you are the designer of the category and you own the category that, um, the average is, and this is based on profiling. Like there were hundreds of companies that they did research on and they profiled and they pulled uh, both public and private valuations. Mm -hmm. And it was a really thorough analysis that the owner of that category, the category King or category queen, however you want to think of it, um, gets 76% of all of the economics in the entire category. So if you're addressable market, if you think of it that way, you know, if your TAM is a billion dollars, the category King is going to get 760 million of that billion leaving. Now here's the thing, the optimists listening to this go, well, but okay, I get it. Hey, I'd love to have the 760, but geez, that still leaves 240 million to fight over. And wow, you know, like for my business, that still would be meaningful. That's pretty good. The problem is, remember, everyone else combined is competing for that 240 million. Right. So, so even if you're the number two and you're getting, you know, you're, you know, you're getting half of that, let's say they're getting 120 million of that 240, just to stay with this analogy, like remember Apple in this illustration got 760 million actually more than that because they actually mm. own more but 760 million and so can you really cheer when you're number two with 120 million in sales and your nearest competitor is 5x your size like is that really is that is that, is even, that really cheering like right. is that really what you're building the company for and of course it's a rhetorical question <laughs> the answer is no so so yeah, play bigger. It's an absolutely essential book. Um, very, Definitely very, very logical, yeah. very easy to follow, very, um, simple framework. Um, I actually have, a uh, uh, a few slides on my, uh, on my website. If people that you can just click on there's no, it's not gated. I don't believe in gated content by the way. <laughs> um, no, no. Absolutely not. Should, should we don't. should we hot debate that for a moment? Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in gated content, Casey, for this reason. Um, now, you know, bear bear in mind, um, just for positioning, and this, I'm not caveating what I'm about sure. to say, by the way, but it is important to understand. Okay, who's the audience? Um, I work with companies that are selling um, heavy tech, technology heavy some would even say deep tech, uh, products or solutions. Okay. Uh, so they have a, a pretty strong educational component to it. Gotcha. Um, they are not necessarily, uh, easy to compare 
or contrast. Mm. So, you know, this isn't sort of a, Hey, we're in the fintech space and we have an, an expense management solution. And this is, and I'm not, I'm not denigrate, you know, I'm not denigrating any of that. I'm just saying right. that they don't fall into kind of a, a competitive matrix. Okay. Sure. So therefore, um, when somebody is searching for information, um, they are, they may or may not be a qualified buyer. They may or may not be in the market. They may or may not be in the market now. In other words, like one day they could be, maybe they're just, they just have professional curiosity. Um, and it's more important to be able to get that information to them, make it readily available, make it easily accessible because as Gartner is pointing out, uh, you, you know, there's some, again, amazing research, the buyer's journey now in B2B, especially in a technical or a complex sale where there's a lot of stakeholders and there's mm -hmm. more and more stakeholders in every B2B sales process, yeah. um, is, is that the buyer is more than 50% of the way through their process, whatever that is, before they contact a vendor. So why would I want to put up gates? Why would I want to have an SDR? Why do I want is, you know, as, as, as smart and as well-spoken as they may be somebody two or three years out of business school, out of college calling a sophisticated buyer who is, who is doing research and doesn't even want to talk to a vendor until they've gone through more than half of their buying process. Mm -hmm. Why do I want to interrupt that flow with a gate on content with as soon as, even if I do capture email, some SDR is going to call them totally unqualified, probably to have a really meaningful conversation just to take them through Bant. <laughs> like that is a non-starter. And again, Casey, why? So many CMOs are looking for a new job. All right. My rebuttal to that, <laughs> sir. Let's go for it. Is that we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Babies are great. Mm. Bathwater. You can get dirty, more right? <laughs> water. Get more water. Babies, a little bit harder to acquire. Mm -hmm. So when we tie the forms to an SDR harassing you, or we tie the form to just bad formology, 30 questions, Salesforce mm. is guilty of this. Forrester is guilty of this. Yeah. All sorts of smart giant companies are guilty of a giant form. And you know what? Your content's not worth that. So I'm not going to yeah. fill it out. I've had forms where they, you know, are asking my personal income, you know, in, in a oh, given year crazy. <laughs> and it's a required field. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, and so I've had all sorts of bad forms and I've also had all sorts of bad follow-up after that. I would propose to the, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. You could have a really sexy form that's short. Maybe it's like email. And then who yeah. the hell are you? Like, what yeah. kind of a persona are you? That's it. Right. Yeah. Um, and with a promise to Valhalla that I won't call you next or something, but like yeah. some kind of capture because I'm trying to mentally balance the fact that the CMO is getting fired and the CMO is getting fired because yeah. maybe he was a purist and didn't have forms, but now he doesn't have enough leads. And so he is getting fired. Right. So, so yeah. I'm trying to balance that, that corporate thing out. But at the same time, if we have a good form, it encourages you to get more information, man, wouldn't that be great to know who's there and not try to rely on 
them not being there because everyone else is going to be harassing them. And if, and you, and you can sort of take a, a, a nice approach like this with content, but then in the end of the day, you don't know who to follow up with. You don't even know if it's effective or not. Um, and, and in my mind, a form is a little bit of a barter to figure out, is this content worth it? If it is, if it's really good content, man, I'll, I'll fill that thing out all day. I want to check out your content. If it's not worth it, then no, at least the title of the content isn't worth it. Um, so yeah, right. so I, I think that, but I do, I do respect the point of if you have a particular kind of buyer, like let's say you're selling a JavaScript and you know tech enabler that coders will use that'll help check their code out. It's a different kind of a sales process. It's very technical. People need to try it out. They need to check it out. They need to get some stats and details on it. Maybe not putting a form in front of that, but maybe a little bit later stage content, you know, maybe mid stage, yeah. late stage. Yeah. That, that's my take on it. So uh, actually, I completely agree with you and, and, and I want to make, and I, and I want to make some, some clarifying comments as well yeah, as please. to why I agree, but also I, I think, I think there's a, there's a disconnect. Um, there's a, there's a trap that marketers are falling into, which again, so I agree with you that forms that, you know, a certain percentage, you know, whether it's 50% or more or less, doesn't really yeah. matter, but a certain percentage of this whole issue of gated content has to do with forms that are absolutely atrocious. Like yeah, I, as marketers, like, Oh, for goodness sake, think about what you would fill out yourself right. and then look at your website right. and be honest. <laughs> if right. you won't fill out that form, then why are we asking? You know? So that's yeah. the first thing. The second thing is, is that, then this is where marketing automation tools like progressive forms and HubSpot are amazing. Totally. And there are ways totally to think very, very intelligently about different types of content. And, and like, why do we have to ask, why not just ask for an email address? We don't need their first name right away. Right. Why we not? need to call them right why off the not bat. Just they don't want to talk to us. Why not just ask for an email address? Yeah, like, just an email. You know, why not just ask for an email address? And then using a progressive form, you're tracking me. And yes, I know people can dump their cookies and this and that. Nobody does. No one right? does. Nobody no one does. does. So so the next time I go to the website and I download something else, now I don't ask for the email, but I ask for just first name in the company. I don't ask yeah. for last name. Okay. And it's only maybe three or four or five interactions later that I ask for a phone number. If I even ask for a phone number, because nowadays, right. why do I, you know, uh, you know, why that's often actually not the best way to first contact. But anyway, the point is, is that I totally agree with you there. Here's, I think, where here's the pitfall um, about gated content. And this is why PLG is so, so powerful for SaaS, because PLG gets to value instantly. The problem is, is with all due respect to our eBooks, <laughs> again, you know, let's read our own eBooks right. and let's say, is there really value here? And if we're really objective, a lot of them, we'd have to say, mm, there's really not value Terrible. here. We're, we're, it's so high level. It's so fluffy. It's so it's retreaded content. And half the time it literally is retreaded content. It's like, yeah, we looked at these three competitor eBooks. We kind of synthesized our own, you know, which is, which is to say they all read the same. Right. And you can look in these major industry, you know, so you look in Fink, you look in, you know, certain segments of Martech, what are the top three vendors and all their eBooks are the same. I mean, not literally, but pretty much the yeah. outline. So you can 
happening. But when we bring our customer to value quickly, which again, game back to PLG, the reason why PLG is so powerful, first of all, we're giving somebody actual product. Now it may not be the full product, you know, but we're giving, so of course in exchange, they're gonna give us their information, right? Set up yeah. an account. The point is, is we're giving them value. So if we're giving somebody sufficiently high value, you know, in maybe it's not an ebook, maybe it's a video sequence, maybe it's a, you know, whatever that looks like, some tool, some very, very useful tool, then by all means, we should be asking, you know, for some, but again, yeah. why do we need like 18 fields? We don't. So right. maybe ask my first last name, my company name and an email. That's it. That's yeah, it. I mean, but and to your point, there mind, are apps. There are apps that you literally drop in there and you get email and they'll tell you everything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and progressive profiling. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I will say yeah. too, is is that yeah. autofill on the browser. I mean, I use it all the time now. Oh, Please. Yeah. Like oh, I haven't I do written too. my name <laughs> in a year, two years. That click. Yep. Yeah. Prefill, yeah. prefill, yeah. address, yeah. two addresses, click, click. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like yeah. so easy. I think yeah. that to your point, the challenge can be if it's a barter. And if you, and if you're stiffing them on the value yeah. by giving them some yeah. shitty white paper yeah. and it happened to me, my classic story is I saw this thing on marketing automation, which is, is one of my jams, right? Sure. Um, sure. Now it's podcasting, but it, you know, marketing automation and AI. And I was like, yeah. well, here's Ooh. a topic that is yeah. full of confusion and full of marketing. And I love to get the straight shot on marketing automation and yeah. AI. And I filled out the form, downloaded it. It was pretty, it was very well designed. It was horse crap. It was complete, yeah. utter bullshit. And an SDR did call me the next day. Yeah, yeah, I was like, look, it's not your fault, but yeah. this was terrible. And I'm never call me again. Yeah. I hate you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't yeah. call me. This is, I got tricked and, and I'm and, unsubscribing. And you, know the, and you know what the sad thing is, Casey, about this is it, uh, and I have no idea. Don't even need to know who the, who the company is, but I don't remember I'm anymore. Give... I would totally out them right now if I could, but I don't remember who they are. Yeah, no, no, it's, yeah, it's fine. Uh, but that, cause that's not really the point, but the point is, is I'm even going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's not true, but that they actually have a real solution. Like they actually, you know, like if you had a better journey, uh, yeah. that that you actually could have gotten in and seen it and experienced it like maybe you would have been like wow this is amazing but now you're never going to get there probably unless somehow you intersect with them in another way and you're like wow there's actually something here you're yeah. never going to get there and this is why you know marketing is in such an influential and important place and the teams that are executing on this i i mean just just look at drift you know boy that's a that's a that's a great example drift two a, years ago or drift now well, <laughs> um, I guess we can get into that discussion, right? You know, <laughs> was this when Dave was there or <laughs> right? Exactly. Drift with Dave. Drift <laughs> yeah, with yeah, or, Not or, that he needs or, anything else to go to his head. Yeah, but, that's right. There you go. But, there you, go. you know, what can you say, man? And what can you say on the map? But, 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 but my point, but, but your point that yeah, up, sorry, and, no. and again, you know, this is also interesting. And I, and I do know that, 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 you know, that Dave is, uh, is very much into the category design and, you know, sure. this, this is very much his direction. Uh, but you know, what did the whole conversational marketing, you know, look, let's face it. It's a chat bot. <laughs> You thank know, you. Thank you. Because what I'm trying to do, yeah, I'm trying to do podcasting. Is. Podcasting is real conversational marketing, yeah. right? 
Yeah. Chatbot is not. You're right. Yeah. You're right. But it's like it, it was very well designed because everyone's like, oh, yeah, conversational marketing, man. We're going to do this. We're going yeah, to chat with our website, customers. You know, and oh, and oh, by the way, I mean, HubSpot now has a very well yeah. developed uh, and now all the platforms totally. do. You know, now, yeah. now five years ago, that wasn't the case. But, you know, so it's like these are all chatbots. They're all in the bottom right hand corner. We're all used to it. Now we think it's super odd if you go to a website, at least a B2B website. Yeah. There's not, you know, you know, chat with us now or whatever, you know. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, and and by the way, I'm super excited. Again, the world that I live in a video is that video is going to be coming to this. Mm. And um, there's there's actually a company that is um, that that it's on their website. In fact, you can see a demo. It's super cool. And it's just in the bottom right hand corner. They call it SUP bubble. It's really cool. SUP, you know, kind of like what's up, you know, like SUP, you know, SUP, SUP bubble. And you click on it. And what it does is. Um, a person on the other end comes on live in a video session. Like now it. you can choose to turn off your camera or not, you know, so it's not like you have to, but all of a sudden there's a live person there, you know, and you're talking to a human, like how cool is that? Like that's, that's kind cool. of the next level of, you know, moving beyond just a, a, a chat bot sequence right. to maybe there's a live person, but they're just typing to you to that's like, cool. no, I'm now having a real live conversation. Like that's real conversational marketing. If you think yeah. about it. I like so. that, man, because I think the other secret with the chat is like no one actually chats. Like the yeah. percent of people yeah. that chat is yeah. very, very low. Very, very. I work with some yeah. groups who are like, okay, we're gonna put chat on the site. We got to figure out how to staff this. And thing. they're all worried. Like, <laughs> if you I've build it, the they will come. They yeah. will chat. It's like no. no and you're like, don't, chatting. don't worry. You're yeah. you're gonna be shocked when one yeah. pops up. You know. And when they do, they're like, yeah. Can you send us your w w nine document yeah. or? Um, my thing's not loading and it's like all support and you have yeah. all these sales reps, like managing your support line, which is yeah. supposed to be your sales line. Um, so That's yeah, funny. I can see why video would make that totally scalable because yeah. not that many people are doing it, not but that, that might encourage the right mm -hmm. people to do it. Maybe if you say you need support, you get the chat, but if you're like looking to have a little sales conversation, well, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So this is a, this is a great conversation. So I'm glad we sparred on this though, yes. because I, I think what came out, you know, what came out is that, see, you know, and this, and this is what is so insightful. Actually, I'm, I'm really glad we sparred on this because sometimes in marketing, we tend towards absolutes like, mm. oh, you have to gate it's content. tempting, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you have to ungate content, you know, yeah. like, oh, you can never do this. Oh, you should always do this. And the, the point is, is that, you know, there are different tactics and strategies based on the market and the consumer behavior, but it almost gets back to my very, very original point is that if you don't know your customer yeah. and we're applying just these broad based assumptions, you know, about how they operate, what they care about, maybe we're doing the right things. Maybe we're completely doing the wrong things, you know, because we just don't know our customer. So. Yeah. That absolute thing. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, I wrestle with that sometimes too. It, it's tempting. I think it's, it feels safer if you can draw an absolute yeah. around it. Like, oh, yeah. I know no matter what, this is okay. Is, yeah. Because the, the other stuff is harder to communicate. It's hard to decide where you are, where you stand yeah. in that. It's much easier to be polarized. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably yeah. half the problem in our country today. <laughs> Randy, <Yeah. laughs> whammy all ties back into forms, people. You know, uh, maybe forms, maybe drift right. is the, who caused caused this rift in our nation. Maybe it all goes back to the chat bot being put on a website. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm just kidding about that. Yeah, it's funny. I get it.
<laughs> cease and desist. But yeah, I, I'm glad we were able to talk through that because you're right. There are, you do need people to get the information and you do need to yeah. respect the conversation. And I think yeah. there's groups that don't respect it. And yeah, you know, getting back, I referenced it, but this, this Gartner research, it was first, I think around 2018 or so it's easy to find. If you just Google like Gartner by a B2B buyer's journey or something like that. It, it's like, it's the first couple links that so they yeah. e easy to find. Um, they, you know, and look, you know, we can all have our opinions about Gartner or whatever, but you know what the fact of the matter is, is that they, they, they do do viable research. They, you know, and they go out and they talk to, you know, how big enterprises are buying and, you know, so we should listen a little bit um, to what they have to say. The thing that really opened my eyes is that I was feeling this shift, but but, you know, it's just purely anecdotal. And, you know, sure. when things are anecdotal based on your own experience, it's natural. And in fact, we probably should think, well, is this just me? Because it could be just me. It could just be my unique, you know, world that I'm operating in and circumstances and custom, you know, or is it broader? And uh, I think it was around 2018 when the first report came out. Now they've written a lot more where they, where they talked about a couple important things about the B2B buyer's journey. The yep. first was there were more stakeholders than ever. Mm. And, 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 and what that means is, and, and this is, uh, you know, also another smash, you know, the hammer a little smash bit it. is the, uh, and this is more on the sales side, but the whole reliance on Bant is just like, ugh, that's got to stop, you know, oh, you know, no. buyer, uh, okay, you know, here we go. buyer, authority, need, timeline. First of all, buyer. Well, guess what? The buyer is 10 or 12 people. Okay. It's not the person who holds Fair the point. budget. In <laughs> fact, in fact, the person no, no, who holds B's the budget, budget, right? B's yeah. Budget. The person who holds the budget because, and again, you know, in my world, um, you know, you can say, yeah, but Mark, you know, you're dealing with really high technical complexity. So even like a senior vice president in a, you know, in a fortune 500, like, okay, they're super smart. They're high level. They own the budget, but what can they know? So they push it down. But let me tell you, even if you're buying a, a new ERP, a new CRM, a new, some tool, you know, it's the decision ultimately is probably not going to be at the CMO level. It's going to get pushed down to the person who's going to be using it. Hmm. You know, now the CMO will be in the meetings, maybe some of the meetings, maybe not all of them. There'll be other folks represented, maybe even the CFO, you know, depending on the size, the purchase is going to be yeah. in there. But too many of our sales processes and even our marketing processes are oriented around, we got to get to the CTO. I want to get to the CTO. You know, it's like ABM. Right. I, I want to hit the CTO of all the fortune 1000s probably completely the wrong person you actually, and this is why it's so much harder <laughs> is there's an end, there's an SME yep. inside that massive company who potentially holds the keys literally to a yes or a no, a green yeah. or a red decision on a multi-million dollar deal. Why? Because guess what? Who am I, even as a CTO of AT&T, for example, to override somebody that we've placed with very specific, we've hired that we, you know, with very specific knowledge and experience and skills, who am I to say that that person's wrong? If they tell me this isn't the right solution, the right product, the right technology, I'm going to go with it. 
So yeah. the whole, you know, the whole, we got to find the buyer. Well, guess what? It's completely, and this gets back to the forms. So if I need to be able to get information on our solution to a wide cross section of people, why am I going to put, put a, put a high bar up everywhere, you know, different yeah. people, you know, there's engineers and let me tell you who they will not fill out a form. And yet what if I'm selling a product that I need engineers to review it? And they're like, yeah, I went to the website and forms. And I didn't even bother. I took a some look. people. Yeah. Right. Some people are more likely. And, and, mm -hmm. and this is happening more and more and more. And then the, you know, and then this is related to authority, right? So, oh, I knew, yeah, I hear you, Mark, but you know what, uh, but, you know, we got to get to the CFO, get to the CFO because they'll sponsor us. It used to work that way, still important. Yeah. Okay. And again, you know, this is where you map the, you know, you have to map the account every, you know, it's all different. Right. But, you know, ultimately, no, the CFO is going to be like, Hey, look, you know, I, at the end, if the team tells, tells me to buy and we have sufficient justification for the expense and if it fits my budget, you know, and then I'm, I'm, I'm pushing the button. Yeah. You know, like, like, don't come to me until the team has said, and then there is the need. Now, this one's really interesting because, um, you know, today, almost all enterprises have a solution that we're selling and listen very carefully to what I just said. If it's not that they have the, maybe the exact product. Now they might, you know, if we're in kind of a, a really clearly defined sector and, you know, if mm -hmm. I'm selling a CRM, for example, well, yes, they, they clearly have a CRM. We probably know what it is. It's called Salesforce, you know? Um, so, but if, but if I'm, you know, selling something else, maybe they don't have the exact, the exact product, uh, the exact packaging of the product, but they have a way they're solving the problem today. So to say, oh, do you have need? Do you have budget? Are you, are you thinking of replacing your fill in the blank system this year? Almost always the answer is going to be no, no, we're not. I mean, yeah, sure. There's a whole list of things we'd like to do different, better. We'd like, you know, about our current solution, but no, we, that's not. So if we're strictly basing on what's the need, we're going to miss a lot of opportunities a lot because reality is there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, we don't really have a need right now for that. But yet they do if we position our solution to solve a problem that they haven't thought about. But if we're just kind of coming in going, Hey, so are you guys looking at doing a, you know, upgrading your again, fill in the blank, you know, mm -hmm. system answers probably largely going to be no, not really. Yeah. We're thinking maybe a 2024 initiative, you know, like, well, that stinks. What do I do? Just go away and wait for a year. Of course not. Um, so just strictly assessing an opportunity based on, 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 do I have the buyer? Do they have yeah. authority? Do they have a need? And then the timing of course falls out of that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so much of what our process today and marketing's job today is on the buyer. It's to, it's to educate, it's to make it as easy as possible for those in the buying committee to get the information they need to be able to make a decision that's going to move towards us, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and then that education leads to, um, you know, to, uh, to the need, like, Oh, wow. I haven't thought about that. This major, you know, regulatory ruling 
could mean this, which could lead. That's interesting. You know, getting them to think different to create the need and then timing falls out of that, right? Like, wow, maybe we better move up our thinking and then not make that a 2024. Maybe we better move in in 2023 and, and all of a sudden, but see it's marketing can serve such sales has a role to play in this, of course, because it's the sellers are going to be in there, you know, really having those one-on-one conversations, but marketing can be seeding the ground. Totally. And, um, so totally. Well, man, I'll tell you what, I, I agree. Something like a little healthy marketing debate. We need a little <laughs> bit more of that going on. But you know what happens? The clock happens. We have literally not only gone all through our entire we've gone through an hour, but we've also gone over and, and I'm loving it, man. So before we have to wrap this thing up, throw out where can people reach out to? They want to work with you, they want to help grow their company. Need some help on the marketing side. Tell me all about it. Love to absolutely. I am extremely accessible. So um, I, I I think there's maybe um, one other Mark Donigan on LinkedIn. But uh, anyway, um, that guy's I, a jerk. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't no call idea. that guy. <laughs> no, you'll uh, no. I'm easy to find. Just Mark Donigan on LinkedIn. Um, and then my website is growthstage.marketing. So it's just growth stage, all one word dot marketing. So it's a, it's a marketing domain. Um, and I've got, you know, a lot of, um, you know, articles and other interviews I've done and, you know, just stuff that, yeah, you might find useful, um, and happy to have a conversation, you know, exchange, exchange ideas, compare notes. Um, yeah, that's how we need to do it. That's what we got to do. Yeah, That's the real conversational marketing. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely, man. Well, true. thank you so much for coming on here. I, I've really enjoyed this. Um, obviously, you know what the hell you're talking about, and it's real. It's not that SaaS marketing bullshit we're often <laughs> encountering. So it's been so I'm allergic to that. To you can human. tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, thank you. Casey, Casey, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's really great. And for those listening, if you freaking learned something, because I know you did, because I literally have pages of notes over here, then- Share this episode with one person, nine people, 3,000 people, whatever the number. Thought leadership is getting this good information into other people's hands. So share the love, teach some people about forms, help them understand which point is right. If you need to debate it, let me know. I'll show up at your office and I'll back you up. I'll be your hype man. Uh, But anyways, this has been fun. Dude, you're the best. Thanks again, Mark, for being on here. Hey, thanks, Casey. All right, everybody, this has been another exciting episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.